You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Welcome to the latest version of the All's Caps podcast. I'm, I'm Steve Wino, the Capitals and NHL reporter for the Associated Press, joined by former uh, Capitals defenseman Carl Osner. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk some Ovi and Koozie today. Uh, we're joined by Alan May of Capital from uh, NBC Sports Washington, telling an incredible John Tortorella fight story and, and kind of how he became a, a better player as a result of it. And about. We'll do some more cap stuff. We'll go around the league, and, and I really want to get into to Carl's fighting history. Uh, how how was uh, I think are, are you a six and zero in your career? Six and zero fighting, Carl? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's go with six and zero. You know, it's funny. I was just in Atlantic City this last week, and I thought I was going to have to add another fight to to my fight resume. I'm just going to going to a Michael Bublé concert, and uh, I've never been down to Atlantic City before. It was it was pretty interesting, but I luckily did not have to uh, test my fighting skills that. Are all that not not all that sharp? So I'm I'm happy about that. What about you? You got any under your belt? I and, and Brian Boucher and Jody Shelley asked me this. I said, yeah. As, as a kid, as a kid, I did that. Everybody does that, and I probably fought more with my brother than anybody else. But yes, there there, there were schoolyard situations. There always is, yeah. No, it, it's I mean, it, no one. It's weird. The, the guys that fight, they, you know, like just talking to Alan about it. They seem to. I don't know that they all enjoy it, but they just seem to get more calm when they're in those situations. Whenever I've got into any sort of fight, or even even now, like if you know, you just feel like something like that could be happening. It's insane how much adrenaline goes through your body and how you get like you know the little like um, you know the adrenaline shakes almost. And it's it's weird that I, I played with one guy. Um, uh, we called him Sugar Sugged and down in, in Hershey, and he said he was so nervous whenever the puck came near him, but. Whenever he got to drop his gloves, all those nerves went away and he could relax. And I'm just like, wow, you are the complete opposite of most people. It's, <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let, uh, let's talk caps. Let's talk Evgeny Kuznetsov because this guy is, is on fire with six points in, in the first three games and, and looking like the, Kuz, the Kuzi from the 2018 playoff run. You, you've been watching. What are, what, are, what are your thoughts been on, on kind of the, the new or the reborn Evgeny Kuznetsov? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was so... It was the question before the season which way is this going to go is it gonna you know after everything that went on last year is it gonna continue to go that direction and you know and and we lose one of the best players in the league when 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 they're going or is he gonna have a chip on his shoulder and prove to everybody that you know last year was last year and and, and he's back and everything seems to be working perfectly i mean and with with nick not being in the lineup he gets to be more of the guy and and relied on a little bit heavier to uh to yeah to be the guy to score the goals to get the assists and um what i think is awesome is you can see just how much fun he seems to be having out there he's enjoying playing hockey he's cackling that cackle he had in his interviews was classic koozie right there and and he just seems to be really enjoying the game like i remember that year when they won the cup and we played them in montreal there was one time we were skating up the ice and 
like most guys when they go to like if someone's coming to check them and they go to shield the puck or protect the puck they like you know really lean into it and put their arm out or something like that he just regular skating stride and just kicks a stick away lift his leg up and kicks the stick away and i i remember, I remember thinking like what is he doing right now like nobody would do that that's something you would do like in practice just messing around with your buddies and and when he's playing good and when he's feeling good he just he just goes out there and and, and has fun and that's a dangerous Genny kuznetsov and we see that right now so i mean i wish i would have drafted him in my fantasy i should have known that this was going to happen it was a big mistake by me and and it's great for the caps though it is, and 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 listeners of this podcast re- heard me say I'm drinking the Kool Aid on Evgeny Kuznetsov having a big year. I I, I was I, there was something about his mindset going into the year that whatever he is he is kind of his focus right now it's working. And you look, he made Kale McCarr, a, a Norris Trophy finalist defenseman, look silly the other night. And I, I, did he ever do that at, at, when you were playing with him? Like, was there ever a moment where we're against him at all where he, he did something ridiculous where it's like I can't believe he did this to that guy? Oh, I mean, there there was lots of times on the ice where he did that, but but it was always in practice too. We would practice power play penalty kill, and and we would always just like whichever D were going against him, it was usually you know whether it was me, me and Orpi or or whoever was was on the PK, and they were doing breakouts. We would always just say, oh man, we gotta we gotta try and defend Kuzi here because he can he just reads off people so well, and his edges are insane, like there is so few players in the league that can skate like him and and if you watch him closely like I, I wish that we could get a number on it like how many strides he takes in a game versus most other players because he can glide so good and usually when you say a guy's gliding it's it's not always a good thing in his case it's a great thing because that's that's the way he moves out there but yeah he would come down full speed on us on power play penalty kill breakouts and it was you know if you decide to go take away the left side he'd go the right side it, it didn't matter you couldn't you couldn't guess which way he was going because he was so good at at just shifting and reading off the player it, it's it really is it, it's crazy and that's what you need though like when when your top line can absolutely destroy another team's top line like that game those they're colorado's top top three players were each minus five it's that absurd. is insane yes I, I don't know that i've seen something like that but that's what you need you want your top line to be able to just go out there and beat up the other team's top line and if, if they can do that then that's that's a big win and then if the second line can 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 play great as well then then you're usually going to be ahead right and the the other night with Nick Dowd sitting next to him Kuzi was kind of joking about well I, I really only need to score once every four games or so whatever I'm good for 10 games now and and, and I know it was a joke but was there anything frustrating about playing with with Evgeny Kuznetsov about kind of that there were days where he didn't want to care. You know what I mean? Like he even said it to, to us. He said, "If I cared every 82 games, I'd be the MVP of this league." It's just not in his makeup. Is that frustrating as a teammate? Yeah, I mean, it, it happens though. Like there, there's so many players that have come through the league or just been on the cusp of the league that have had insane amounts of skill. Like just just as good a skill as as the top players. It's it's the drive that puts a lot of them over and. And, you know, another really good example of that is Alex Semin. Like, oh, Alex yeah. Semin had just ridiculous talent. Unbelievable shot. So athletic. He would, like, if we would play soccer before the game, he was the best soccer player. We'd get on the ice, he's the best player on the ice. He's just one of those guys. And you always just wanted a little bit more from him. And to, to me, Kuzi is the type of guy that, you know, he, he wants the game to be fun. And when it turns into more of a job and less fun, 
and you start to back off a little bit. And and I get that. I mean, I totally understand what he's saying because I've had it happen where, you know, when I was playing in, in, in Washington, everything was fun. Had a blast playing. Every day at the rink was was great and, and play excelled. And then when I went to Montreal, it, it turned into more of a job and less fun and play declined. And you see it with a lot of guys and you just hope that they can find a way to get through that. And, and, uh, and you know, some guys need to pace themselves and Kuzi clearly is one of those guys that wants to pace himself a little bit and uh, you know maybe don't score once every four games like let's go once every three once every two or or at least set other guys up which I think he'll do and just hope that you know when Nick does come come back that it doesn't you know he doesn't feel that he needs to take a step back because Nick is back you know continue to be that guy and and then hopefully we we can roll that right into the to the playoff. Yeah, and, and I actually do think his drive is there this year. Like you can you could see it from the first day of training camp that Kuznetsov was was in it, and 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 that's why with all that talent, if he harnesses it like that, he's going to be an all star. And 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 I know right now he's suspended and can't go to the Olympics, but if if Russia can get him to the Olympics, and you got a Kucherov and you got an Ovechkin, that's going to be a heck of a team in Beijing. It, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much skill in the Russian team. There always is, and it's um, you know, it's just whether or not everybody can put it together at the same time. And you can have you know, it's you know, it's kind of one of the things. There's there's so many good top line Russian players. There isn't as many third and fourth line Russian players, and to try and get them to yep. you know shoulder that load uh, on the third line and the fourth line and grind it out a little bit more has kind of been part of the issue. But um, you know, I guess if they can. Just, just come at you wave and wave, then, then maybe they're going to be fine. But the, I mean, I, I think this is great right now what Kuzi's doing because it's going to rub off on some of the young guys too. Just see, you know, how hard he is working, how much fun he is having while, while continuing to, to chip in and, and play the game, the right way, and, and that, that's going to be great for, for all these, young, all these young guys that are watching it right now. And speaking of the young guys, uh, Connor McMichael gets his season debut against Colorado. Uh, what, what do you make of, of Lapierre and, and McMichael? These guys are the future. What are, what are your early thoughts on these guys? Yeah, they are the future, and it's. You I mean I think it's kind of what we all expected. And listen to uh, Peter Laviolette's uh, um, interviews after. Uh, I think he gets, you know, it, it's it seems clear to me at least that you know what you're getting between the two. You know, with with McMichael, you got a guy that is a little bit more mature. Um, you know, play plays the game at uh, a little bit more responsible. You can you can count on him to to you know make less mistakes. Maybe he's a year um, older too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, you're going to get that, and it takes some guys a little bit longer than others. But you know, they always talk about which player is more NHL ready and. You know, maybe seems like McMichael is maybe is more NHL ready with that extra year, um, and and um, you know I was trying to think of a nickname for Lapierre. I was going to call him MLP just to make it a little bit easier on myself. Um, no, but, how about how about but, Jimmy? Know, like his literally his name is Hendricks. The fact that his nickname is not Jimmy is absurd. That's a that's a good one. Let's go with Jimmy from now on. So Jimmy, um, <laughs> you know, you, 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 it it would benefit him probably to to play another year where he's the guy and he can. He can just, you know, get that much more uh, development in his game, and, and especially when you get a taste of taste of the NHL, and then you go back to to junior, and you, I think most guys hold themselves to, you know, a higher standard at that point. They know what they know what these guys, they know what an Ovi's doing, what a Backy's doing, a Carlson's doing, to play in the NHL. Let's go and bring that back to my team and really work on that. Um, but at the same time, like we had talked about earlier, you, you don't know which way the team's going to want to go. But I mean. At this point, it seems like uh, McMichael is the guy that can can fill fill the role kind of up and down the lineup. 
um, depending on what you want. So it's tough to say. I mean, you, you may have watched the, the game a little bit closer closer than I than I did um, with all my kids running around. But it's uh, to me, I feel like that's the direction it's going to go. Yeah, and, and and that was that that Colorado game was was probably the best full team performance of the, of the season uh, from from these guys, and it included another Alex Ovechkin goal. He's he's one step closer, and and I think that makes up for the goal that you stole from him many years ago that that hundred and fifty <laughs> foot empty netter he scored the other night. <laughs> he's he's actually pretty good at those. And if he would have buried more of these empty netters that he's had, though, he would he would he would already be up in the eight hundreds. That guy is. There's been some games where we were laughing so hard after because he had like two or three shots at it, couldn't couldn't bury it. And it's uh, I I like that he still gets to go out there and uh, and have a chance at those. You know, a lot of times teams will put out their third and fourth line and just try and grind it out, and and, uh, and that's the way it goes. But it, it's fun that he goes out there and, and takes a shot at it. And I think he. Um, you know, he he's grown more and more every year, and and understanding that it's not a you know this isn't go out on the ice and and just score a goal time. It's go on the ice and defend goals against, and if you get a chance, then put it in. And that's that's nice. It, it's nice to have those guys kind of pat him a little bit. I always love an empty net goal. I mean, I I got I think one or two in my career, and they feel just as good as a regular goal. Do, do they really like? I I I I wonder if it like I don't. Know, it doesn't cheapen it because I'm sure Gretzky's got a bunch of empty net goals too. But that's it. It's not the same, right? It's no, it's not the same for sure. Uh, you know, it's it's harder to get a to get a goal five on five. But uh, I guess let me rephrase that. As a guy who scores four goals a year, five <laughs> goals a year, they feel the same. <laughs> You're happy either way. It doesn't You'll, matter. You you can take them because because they don't ask you how. They ask you how many. Exactly, yeah, and, and I would sometimes like to explain how these empty net goals go in because it's hilarious a lot of times. But you know what? The nice thing is, if you can score during the game, you can ride that wave of excitement and and adrenaline from scoring a goal. That's like I always felt that if you get an assist or a goal in the first period, the rest of your game is just set up. You just feel you feel unbeatable. But you know, it doesn't matter if you get on the sheet. You get on the sheet. You're happy and and turn on turn to the next game. We're, we're riding the adrenaline now because uh, we have Alan May coming up next. Uh, we're going to talk to Alan. Uh, he's he's telling stories, uh, his game his game day routine, and, and then later on we're going to chat about uh, what's coming up for the Capitals, the, the next little stretch, and and how Carl, as a, a an NHL player, dealt with stretches like the Capitals are dealing with now. This is the All's Cavs podcast with Steve Wino and Carl Alsner. We'll be right back. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the All's Caps Podcast. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner, and we are now joined by NBC Sports Washington Capitals analyst and fellow alum Alan May. Uh, Alan, well, thanks for thanks for joining us. 
Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Good to be with you. So we 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 hear you are you have a, a pregame routine, even not as a player. What what is your what is your superstition on a game day as as a broadcaster? Oh, I'm OCD psychotic. So <laughs> I I have I swear to God, it's just like I even ramp up to start the season. I start doing two a days to get ready. <laughs> and uh you know to get my fitness in order and you know you always want to look good in camera and all those things but uh so i start i usually go to i have two training days so today was actually fell on a training day where i actually go to the gym and get my workout in and then typically i hit whole foods and then i get back right about now I get back and I do my game sheet. I do my notes for the game. And not that I need to do it, I just like the habit and the ritual of doing it and having something on me in paper and making sure if I have a number off the top of my head, I, I, I use it. And then I uh, I go through the routine. I, I eat a meal just like I got a game tonight and I don't eat after a certain time. So uh, there's no food goes in the body after 3 p.m. on game day and then it's it's uh, get ready, shave every game day, and then get my get my suit ready, get it on. And as soon as I, just like when I was playing, as soon as my tie is tightened, <laughs> it, it's game on and I'm ready to go. So I get to the studio usually before everyone else and uh, set up my stuff. And then I got I got I got veg time, so I I can walk around and harass people, do whatever I want. And uh, believe me, last year was lonely because I did you know we, yeah. we weren't around people. And, uh, you know, we had the Gestapo walking around the floor to make sure you weren't in the same room. So it uh, was dry. It drove me absolutely crazy. And then when we were finally allowed to watch games together, I was like the happiest guy there was because it's uh, it's good to be able to, when you're swearing at the TV, it's good to have people there with you. And uh, then, then, you know, my, my co-host or host, Alexis Shaw, learned how, how much English I speak and, <laughs> you know, what really makes me mad and my, my one of my favorite words and how I use it when I'm mad and she's seen me slam the table and I've gotten away from throwing my cell phone, but that's typically uh, like my, my <laughs> game day routine. And, uh, and I used to always love to have a beer after the show, but we weren't allowed to do that last year because everything was lights out by the time the shows were over. And, you know, it, it was just a different, different time. So when we finally get Carl in the studio, Carl's going to have to be ready to go for a beer after work. So is that going to be a problem, Carl? Yeah. yeah. Way, he's not, he's not going to be an official. He's not going to be an official broadcaster if he doesn't do that. Exactly. I'm hearing. I'm hearing that they've actually reinforced that table in the uh, in the room where we watch the games, just because you're going to smash through it so many times, like a like a wrestler. So well, like, you know, so I, I do the double slap when I'm pissed off. So it's <laughs> and it's usually with the mother. So I, I don't know if how PG <laughs> you guys are, but it's loud. And then you know, if it's the same player doing it over, he gets it. So. <laughs> it's uh, it's it, you know what? I even do that when I'm at home watching games. I get pissed off when guys do the wrong things. So it's uh, it's it's I can't I can no longer watch games like a super fan. Uh, and now everything's done with an analytical eye. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know. How about this? This is so. This has happened last year when I was doing all those games from uh, Zoom in my in my house. And so I don't know why, but it's like one of those things. Like like Alan said, you get into a routine where you gotta you have your have your same meal same time this and that and so whenever i was watching a game i'd have to either go on the treadmill or go on the bike and so i'm uh, I, i'm watching the game on my on my laptop because that's how we were recording and then just went straight to the feed and so i as soon as i'm finished i peel off my suit put on my workout clothes and i start riding the bike and then i get a text from uh from one of the guys saying 
saying, what are you doing right now? Because they could see me kind of like moving around. <laughs> and, stuff. and then and then Alan had to let me know, just just be aware. Everybody's always watching. And what the funny thing is, is I didn't really realize that I thought I was off the camera. So I was barely, barely out of picture, getting butt naked, putting on my workout clothes <laughs> and, then, and then finally put them on and then brought it over to the bike. So. I almost had my first slip up in like my second game ever doing it. So this is you almost you almost pulled a tube in. You almost pulled a tube in. <laughs> it's a lesson for everybody. Turn your camera off on 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 Zoom meetings as much as physically possible. I, I, even put tape over your camera when you're not. Yeah. When, when you're not prepared. My my old buddy used to be an NBC cameraman. Used to hack hack laptops and spy spy on his then girlfriend now wife to make sure that there were no other visitors while he was out of the house so okay. everything's possible with those cameras it's shocking yes we, we are doing we are doing this on, on zoom audio only for everybody who's, who's wondering about that too as uh, yeah. as alan prepares for for the for the uh, uh another capitals game day uh we were we were told alan to ask you about fighting john tortorella uh and i i guess you, we could do this again if you're in an espn studio anytime soon but what was that like <laughs> Oh, so John, my first year of pro, I played in a league that no one heard of. And, you know, now everyone knows uh, what the coast is. And uh, it started out, I had no idea how many Carolinas and how many Virginias there were back then. You know, like uh, U.S. geography wasn't my thing. You never had to know it growing up. Just like Americans don't have, don't have to know Canadian geography. So I got sat down, to, uh, I played on a team in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And it, it was just so, every day was bizarre. And it was just so different for where I came from in Canada, in Western Canada. And uh, I got down there and they, the fans loved me. I literally got, after the first few games, they would chant my name all game. I'd get a standing O every single shift that'd go on the ice because of the, there was no holding up guys on the body checks. And really our coach was horseshit. He was awful. And you just run, I just ran around. I just ran around trying to get as many hits, many shots, many goals and uh, was ready to fight at the drop of a dime. wasn't that big, but there was two brothers on uh, that Torx had signed, and I almost got in a fight with these two guys, with my buddy Mark Kachowski, who played in the NHL as well. We were both overage juniors in the Western Hockey League, and we got a tryout. You know, We thought it was a big deal. We were getting this tryout in Flint, Michigan, in the old IHL, which was the number two, or, you know, the number two minor league at the time. And, uh, and, and it was like a distance behind the American League but, you know, he and I go there and we're flying from Edmonton. We're in Detroit and we got to get on a puddle jumper to fly to uh, Flint. And these two brothers got black eyes and I don't know what training camp they came from, but they knew we were going to Flint and like they were mouthing us off in the airport. They wanted to fight in the airport. It was like, <laughs> it was totally, it was totally effed up. And uh, so, <clears throat> and this, this I, I'll fast forward. First game we played that, you know, there's no, these leagues don't waste time. They don't waste exhibition games. They get right at it, and you're playing games. So first regular season game I play, one of these guys challenges me, and I beat the holy living hell out of him. And then my roommate, he knocks out the other guy with the left jab, opening the head, but then hurts his hand the rest of the season. So I don't have a tag team partner. Right? They bring out other guys here and there. But So this league is it's your goal scoring or your you're hitting and fighting, and it was kind of awesome. It's probably – some of the most entertaining hockey you could ever watch. And uh, so it goes on throughout the season. I think the final numbers with the two brothers, I fought in 42 games. I fought one total season I played. Uh, it was 15 game, 15 fights, one guy and six the other. And uh, <laughs> and 21 and 0, but, you know, and, and, it, and 
and it was there was no defense back then it was just like everything was like a wild uppercut and you have to learn after a while you can't be an animal every single fight so you don't want you don't want to have bad mitts and uh, i wanted to score goals too so the uh the uh these two guys tried holding out on their team and they used to come up torch would put them out uh, and you know it's in fairness to him hockey was a lot different but they they would try to go out when i was on the ice and my team would go don't fight i was one of the best players you know obviously i was the best player in the league because i was the one guy that played in the nhl so you know they uh they, they would put they literally put their sticks under my fucking chin and wanna and wanna like that and, and i just couldn't take it like they, they literally left like my teammates would beg me not to fight and i could only take such and then i lose my i used to have a really bad temper it had, it had the like it, there was a snap they had to learn to control the snap as well so these two guys around christmas and i, I think it was a january 30th game they, they had held on a team they wanted bucks and uh you know you didn't make a lot i made 250 bucks a week in that league uh 35 bucks a win what year was and, this and uh and this was back in the eight like 86 or so okay and yeah so when i was 10 years old so the, so anyways this league <laughs> these guys these guys would do that so you're playing like I, I was delusional enough to think I'm going to still play in the NHL. Like I never had a doubt I wasn't going to. And I was just going to plow through this league. And I just knew I had to gain some weight and, you know, just continue to work. But these two guys were kind of in my way. Well, anyways, I wasn't there to try to get money. I wanted to get money in the American League and then the NHL. So the uh, <clears throat> these two guys, they, they go on strike more or less and they're holding torts and you know, torch, you know, you're a one-man hockey operation at that level at that time. And uh, it's ridiculous. If you're going to cheat, you're going to, you know, kill your franchise. You know, you're going to run out of money because it's not like you're charging a lot for tickets. So anyways, these guys aren't playing. But the night before in this game, there was a defenseman on the team. I cannot remember his name for the life of me, but he speared me right between the legs <laughs> and dropped me and went to the bench. And I went into a rage. I When I got up and I even tried to go in the dressing room between periods. Like I told, I used to lose my mind. So, so you and John have game, some things in common. Oh well, you, I love. I'll tell you what. I end up playing for this guy. I absolutely love him. He is one of the greatest humans I've ever met in, in my life. He's just an absolute, unbelievable, good human being. And uh, he just hate. He just hates you types. So the. Uh, I actually like John. I, John and I are more dog people than human people. So I think that's how how we yeah. get along. Yeah, exactly. People don't know, realize he, he is one of the greatest, one of the biggest, best hearts in the world. But he's got a lot of heart, and he, he's a tiny guy. So he he um he's about your size, Wino. So he I know. He, anyways, we play in this game, and I am just pissed at this guy. I can't get him, and they don't put him on the ice again. And the cops got to haul me back to my dressing room, and you know it, it's it's just a mess. These games were so out of control with what was going on all the time. It, it was great TV. It, it would have been great TV and great movies. I wish and there was video. Of so, this. yeah. So there is video, and one person has it. And uh, so he, so Torts, we end up with the next night. Our owner says, "Hey, we could use a bench clearing brawl to bring more people in here." <laughs> and so we're we're jumping a bit. We got our, we have a really bad referee. Like just a, he had to be paid off. It was so corrupt the game we're in. And I don't say that I don't say that lightly because the penalties were like 21 to one. One of my teammates got tripped by the, got tripped like feet up. The guy just had his skates hooked up all the way to his shoulders. He, he goes ass over tea kettle, hits his face on the ice and everything. 
as he goes down, a stick goes out to the to left of his body. He's a right-handed guy, top hand on the stick. The guy who tripped him steps on the stick, and our guy gets the tripping penalty. Oh, and, he, and he goes to the ref, and he just snaps, and the ref calls him a name. He calls him a French name and another name. And this guy also used to fight on ESPN in full contact. It was called the ESPN PKA. It was like full contact kickboxing with like boxing gloves. And he used to fight on there. And he was a monster. He skated so slow, he looked like he was going backwards. He looked like a chuck wagon on those old cowboy western sound stages. But he was massive, and he lost his mind. Well, that all of a sudden, that that lights it up. He go, he starts chasing the referee around. Next thing you know, the bench is empty, and I go after the guy that got me the night before and I just crush him and I crush the goalie and then another guy I, I would have to get the game sheet but the man who has it passed away so I, I don't know if his wife will get it for me for the amount of penalty minutes I got for this one <laughs> anyways he uh, as I'm going back by the bench chasing guys around because believe me it's it, it's just chaos and towards with his jerry curl and he used to always have that sweater. He wore a sweater and a tie, uh, like a la Robbie Fatorik. And uh, he's mouthing me off. He can barely see over the boards. The boards are kind of tall. And he's got the door open. And I'm like, fuck this guy. He's, he's always sending guys out to fight. So I jump inside the bench and just start, I push him in the corner and just start rag, just like throwing punches. And next thing my roommate comes, jumps over the glass. And we, we got, we're going at it in the, <laughs> in the penalty box. But it, it and so Torres didn't stand a chance, anyways. But at the end of the season, <laughs> at the end of the season, his team beat his team was really good, and Torres has won at every level he's been at. So, at the end of the season, he's like out back in the old, you know, the old coliseums were very different from you know what guys are in now. All these minor league arenas are pretty nice, and uh, so he come he comes and he's like, "Where's May? Where's May?" And I figured he wanted now he wants to fight in dress shoes, you know, in street clothes, and maybe have a better chance at it. <laughs> and, he, and he comes up to me. Am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Uh, and, uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> well, any, well any, anyway, so he goes, "What the fuck were you doing playing left wing?" He goes, "You're a fuck. If you're gonna play in the NHL, you gotta play a right wing or center." He goes, "Quit playing defense too." Then he goes, "You gotta play. You gotta play center right wing." So, but it, it's kind of funny. <laughs> like, he goes, "You're a player. You're and quit fighting, fucking fighting all the time." I said, "Well, you're always sending your guys after." So, anyways, he he's he's a good dude. Like he really cares about the game and everything yeah. about it at, at every level. So. It's funny, that summer I'm in Boston skating early and I'm, I'm getting ready to sign with the Bruins. And I had three big contract offers from getting called up a few weeks later to the American League. And <clears throat> anyways, our, uh, I'm in training camp and Mike Milbury, who is going to be, the, he's the general manager coach for the first year in the Maine Mariners, and that's the Bruins. First time they've had a full affiliate in years. So we're going into Portland, Maine, and I see him talking to Tortorella and they're looking over at me nonstop and I'm looking over to see why they're looking at me in the in the in the Boston Bruins practice you know twin practice rinks and they keep looking over at me and then Milbury's driving me back home he's driving me back to the hotel and uh, he goes hey uh you know one of the things I was thinking this year he goes uh you're a little off your rocker he goes I, I was thinking we probably got to get your sports psychologist because you kind of got a, an anger like an anger issue you're gonna end up hurting someone like and uh, I was like you know what? <laughs> I go, fuck you and fuck John Torrey. I don't got him. <laughs> so I just play right into it. I go, pull a car over. I don't even want to be with you. And uh, he goes, see what I mean? And I go, shut up and pull over. I didn't want to be in the car with you. <laughs> so so he, he, he won. So I end, up, I end up having a guy to go talk to. But all we did is go to happy hour and laugh and tell stories. <laughs> and maybe taught me the art of telling a good story. So it, uh, 
Uh, anyways, I love those two guys. A lot of people don't like those guys because they don't know them. Those of us that do absolutely love them. And uh, I go to bat for Torks any day. I was hoping he was going to be the Caps coach so many different times over the years that I've been covering Look, them. he'll get and another I, job, Alan. Right, right? Like, he's going to get another uh, NHL job. If he wants it. Like, he doesn't he, – he's got money. You know, he wants to – he wants to, you know, he, he, he saves horses. He saves dogs. He's like he, – he's just an unbelievable guy. He, he you know, he, he supports the military and veterans and any anyone he can help. And, and you know, he, he's a very regiment. He, you know, loves the country, loves people. Uh, he would help anyone. So if he wants to coach, you know, most people have to get to know how incredible he is. The thing with the press isn't really him. He's just got a design. Maybe from playing with the – you know, in New York and having to deal with, you know, what, what goes on in the media there, maybe. And I, I just can't see him coaching a Canadian team because of all the garbage that happens up there, and you know, the gossip and innuendo uh, daily. It's just, I just don't see him having the temperament to yeah. deal with that. Carl, Carl, you got a taste of playing in, in, in Montreal. And I'll get, we're, we're going to get into your fighting history, I think, in the next segment, because I want to talk about that. Um, but what, 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 what was it like different playing in Montreal, Carl, than, than playing in Washington with all that attention? Well, Alan's right. I mean, there's there's just so much going on with the media. Like you, it's that that's the only sport there, right? So they spend so much time breaking down every little aspect of the team, every aspect of the player. It's just nonstop. And you know, if things are going great, then you know there's there's less things to harp on, and there's more good to talk about. And when they're not, then you know, the opposite. So you get to see it, but it's hard on guys. Like I just want to focus on on playing, but there's so many different avenues that can get into your head, whether it's, you know, the classic newspaper or getting into Twitter, Instagram, whatever the heck it is. It's, it's just all over the place. So it messes with guys as badly as they want to stay away from it. You, you still have your friends and your family that are reading it. And then next thing you know, you get a text saying, Oh, I hate what they said about you on so-and-so or on, on this paper. And then you you can't help but start thinking about it a little bit in the back of your head. So that's why one of the reasons why it's so hard to get guys to go to these places in free agency because because they don't want to deal with that kind of thing so it, it's just they're just already against you know higher odds to uh to, to to you know lose out to a team like say the caps or you know a place where where a guy can be a little bit more anonymous and and it's it's just going to make it tougher and tougher but at the same time the canadian teams are what really helps drive the league and when the dollar's not so bad i guess drive some of the revenue too sure so it's unfortunate but yeah i mean it it definitely hey, happens them. hey j- j- just to reiterate that like when was the last time a canadian team won a stanley cup 1993 when did the internet start yeah i, so, I was gonna say yeah you're... i just look i've always felt this and you know it, you know there used to be message boards on websites before we had you know, social media, like, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what, what, you know, all the other garbage that's been out there. But when I look at it in Canada, it's just, it's ruthless. And, you know, I've always felt that, you know, the great thing guys come down and I always thought the Canadian guys that started on the Canadian teams, they were kind of cocky when they came down to the, you know, cause they're used to everyone recognizing them and, you know, whether grocery store, drugstore, gas station, walking down the street, no matter where you're at, it felt like everyone knew who those players were. Well, they come down, I play in DC or Dallas or, you know, and people don't recognize you. Like Joe Newendike could walk around. He's a superstar in Calgary. He's playing in, in Dallas. He can walk around. Mike Madonna, when I was playing with him, he could walk around knowing you were able to separate and, and live your lives. And, you know, the same thing in Tampa. You know, these guys can walk around and enjoy their lives. And it's not a 24 7 
you know, you, you know, you don't have to keep your guard up all the time. You're not being, you know, there's a lot of insults. I've been with guys and they've been yelled at and it's it just everyone, you know, you're with the Canadian, you know, I remember the first time I was in Montreal with the Caps after a game, I was hanging out with Chelios and Russ Courtnell and, uh, you know, Chelly, Chelly's buddies, uh, his brother was one of my best friends. Both of the Courtnells were two of my best friends in hockey. And, and these guys had, uh, people are looking nonstop. They're, they, don't necessarily you know recognize our guys but they recognize Shelly like so it's non-stop everyone's watching at the corner of the eyes every time they lift their drink up people are looking and thank god they didn't have uh you know cell phones back then smartphones like they do now because I used to be out so much it'd have been non-stop snapping <laughs> but the uh but it, it, I just think it's it, it's emotionally wears play, players out mentally and sure. you're seeing it, it feels like there's more players up there that uh, that are cracking Mm -hmm. uh, because, and then the, the assaults on, like, I honestly don't think any player should have a, a, a Twitter or Instagram uh, that the, that they're looking at, and, and or they shouldn't be reading about themselves. Because it, it, it's Tom Wilson's talked to about fight. this, Alan. Yeah, Tom yeah, Wilson's talked about not going on, yeah. Yeah, it's too hard to fight back. So, you know, people get pissed off at me. I'll say something on television, or and then all of a sudden I get, a, I just block them. I don't have time to argue some nameless, faceless loser. And uh, it, it's kind of hilarious. It, it, and, you know, just I remember go back to Joel Ward when he scored that goal in yep, Boston. Years I remember. Ago, all, all, those, all those losers. And uh, it's just a sickening place because it's, it's too easy to be hateful. And you see people and then you see them in their real life and they don't act like that. But when you look at their Twitter account and, and you're like, holy, what the hell's wrong yeah. with this guy? Yeah. You know, so I think it makes it tough. I, I think that adds to playing in Canada, the stress of trying to win and try to win a Stanley Cup, I, I just think I just think it's really hard if you if you're reading about yourself and following. I mean, I, we, we all like to read the good stuff about ourselves. Back in the old days of print, we probably even cut it out and mail it to Grandma. But uh, <laughs> nowadays, you know, it's, it's just there's too many assaults. Yeah. yeah okay. to, do you do you read I stuff, Carl? Or where, yeah, where well, do you I had play? That during the lockout. So during the lockout, I was back in Calgary and and I was on I was on Twitter then. It was still relatively you know new, I guess and. Uh, and I would get so many messages just directed at us, like, you know, being babies, being selfish, wanting, wanting all this money, this and that. And, you know, they only get to, you know, they only understand what they've, what they've read. And, and, you know, I'm the one that's in the meetings and talking to the guys about it. So, you know, occasionally I would send like a message to one of these guys, like a private message and just say, you know, explain something in like, t like five, six lines. And next thing you know, the next message I'd get was, oh, I'm so sorry. I really respect you for re responding. <laughs> I just want to watch hockey again, you know? And I, I did it like three or four times. And I think to myself, like, what am I doing? Like, I got to I gotta just settle down. So I deleted my Twitter for a couple of years after that because I just didn't want to want to deal with it. But that time was was especially tough. Like, during, during that lockout, this is actually really funny. I was trying to – I was skating, and I was just wanting to skate on one of the outdoor rinks, one of the really – uh, really great outdoor rinks in close to downtown Calgary. So I drove out there and was just wheeling around. And then a group of people were coming to, uh, to play some pond hockey and they were one short. So, um, you know, they asked me if I wanted to play with them. So I was, I was wheeling around a little bit and then they had a break to go warm up by the fire. It was like minus 20. And I could hear them talking about the lockout and how selfish the players were and this and that. And so I didn't ever want to go over there cause I didn't want them to you know, ask me any questions about it. I didn't know if they even knew that I played hockey. So, so finally the game finishes and one of the guys comes up to me. He goes, he goes, yes, you must've played some hockey back in the day or, or something like that. What'd you play? Like triple A midget? <laughs> I'm like, holy smokes. Am I that bad right now that, that I'm only getting triple A midget. The guy doesn't even think that I've, they've made it past there. 
And so I was just could only imagine what was going through his head, thinking that that I'm one of these guys complaining about what, what's going on with the lockout. So it was it was pretty funny. I ended up getting frostbite from that because I wouldn't go warm up with them by the fire. But it's just one of those things that people can get carried away pretty fast, especially if you can't put like an actual, you know, a person to uh, you know the jersey or the argument, whether it's a lockout or just a you know with Tom and and fighting and hitting guys. So yeah, it's, it gets pretty intense sometimes. Right. Alan, uh, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me guys. Good luck with this. Thank you very much. And, and, uh, on the third segment, we, uh, Carl and I are going to talk, uh, I think we got to get into his, his fighting history at some point and, and we'll talk about what's, what's next for the Capitals. Uh, we'll be right back on the All's Caps podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the All's Caps podcast. I'm Steve Wino from the Associated Press, joined by Carl Alsner. H- how about the uh, the Alan May fighting stories? That that the, the Tortorella stuff is incredible. What what was your best fight of of your career? Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love letting Alan May lose, just telling some stories because <laughs> go and go and go and you just had more stories back then. There's just weirder, crazier things that happen. I wanted to ask him about the if uh, if they base that. The, what were they called? The Danbury Trashers team, On just him? off right. what what he did. You know, it was it seemed, seems like it at least from that. But it was it was really neat to hear, especially the Tortorella stuff. Cause, you know, he's kind of one of those polarizing guys that you you hear you hear so many of the negative things about him, but there is clearly a lot of positives. Otherwise, he wouldn't continue to to get jobs and be as successful as he is. So that, that was to me was really neat. I I was hoping to hear that because I played for a coach who kind of got you know at times got lumped into to uh, that kind of category, Joel Bouchard of being being hard on guys, but at the same time he gets a lot out of you. So I think that's kind of neat. So my, I, I don't know. I don't really have any great fighting stories like that. I would say that, um, you know, my first ever fight was in junior, 16 years old, and you, I mean, you don't ever get a chance to fight growing up in hockey. Yeah, so you, so this was kind of like you want to get it out of the way and just see what it's like and and not open the floodgates, but just not have that worry of what your first fight is going to be like. So I just just so happened to be out on the bench before one of the games. And, you know, we played in, in uh, the Saddle Dome where the Flames play. And so just looking around at everything, I look over to my right, and uh, one of their players is out on the bench. And his name's Scott Doucette. He's actually a buddy of mine growing up, played a lot of spring hockey with him and played a lot against him. And he comes over and we start, we start chatting. He says to me, we were like, well, I don't even know, 15 games into the season. He's like, have you had a fight yet? I'm like, no, not yet. Haven't really had a chance. I don't really know exactly how, how to go about doing it. I just don't want to jump somebody. He's like, yeah, me neither. Do you, do you want to do it tonight? Like, maybe just fight each other. 
And I'm like, that's actually not a bad idea. Um, Yeah, okay, let's do it. So he comes after me in the first period, like two shifts into the game. And he's like, hey, let's go, let's go. I'm like, not yet. Like, let's play a little bit. Let's get into the game before we start, you know, getting into a fight. He says, no, let's go now. Come on. And I'm just like, holy smokes, buddy. Like, just settle down. We'll, we'll do it. It's a long game. So I go on go on the bench, come out for my next shift. Sure enough, there he is again. He's like, come on, let's go. Come on, let's fight. I'm just like, oh, okay, let's just do it. Get it over with because this is going to drag on all game. So sure enough, we drop the gloves. We are just wild. Can barely stand up. Throwing punches all over the place. I think I only landed one one punch. At least I, I tagged him right on the nose. A little bit of a bloody nose. And I think he got me once on the top of the head. And like we fell and got up like four times. It was just just a joke. Like it would it would probably be scoring a, a two point five on hockey fights. It was it was not ideal. But we got to the vet to the penalty box after. We were laughing and had a good time with it. And I don't think I fought again for probably two years after that. I got it out of my system and I felt I felt pretty good. Couple little scrums uh, back in you know that season, but trying to go protect uh, Ryan Getzlaff and Andrew Ladd as they were. They were our two best players, and yeah. I'm just a young guy trying to prove myself. But 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 nothing nothing too major. It was it was fun. It was fun to get it out of there. But like I had said, it's you get so much adrenaline going, and and sometimes it's hard to really focus in a fight. And you you have all these things that you want to do, and it never works out that way. But yeah, it was it was fairly standard. I like to say you fought Steven Stamkos. <laughs> yeah, I did fight Steven Stamkos. <laughs> that was actually kind of a funny one too. So that was in Montreal, and and um, their D man. Uh, kind of gave Kucherov a bit of a suicide pass, a stretch pass from like behind their net all the way up towards the red line. And I came and no, I didn't, I didn't try to crush him, but I, I hit Kucherov pretty good. And he went down and the next thing you know, uh, I see Stammer coming out of the, the corner of my eye and I know Stammer a little bit too. And he goes to drop his gloves and, and grabs me. So I drop mine and grab him. And I just say to him like, Stammer, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you don't have to <laughs> fight me. And like, I'm not saying that because I'm going to, beat him up or anything but i'm just like you know he's one of the best players in the league you you respect those guys don't want him to to take a chance you know breaking anything and he says man it was cooch you hit cooch i gotta do it i got you i'm just like all right let's let's go for it and it was you know it was it was it was fun let's put it that way it wasn't it wasn't like it was an intense fight he was doing what what he thought was right and i was um you know not, <laughs> not trying to be friendly like i'm not a not a killer or anything but i was you know, trying to trying to hit him a little bit without really hitting him a little bit. You know, it was just more. I was letting him get what he needed out of that, and I wanted to continue playing the game, and I didn't want to risk it, you know breaking anything either. So yeah, it was it was kind of a funny one too. I guess I haven't, all my fights are a little bit funny. I I usually know the person that I'm fighting before I fight them, so I guess I can prepare a little bit more. Well, no one's ever accused you of being a goon or anything. I mean, that's not that, that's no. not something you were known for. No, not at all. And I, I mean, it was some guys, I don't know how they would find fights. Like they were just, they'd always find a way to get them into something, get themselves into something. And, and I just, I don't think I ever had a single guy that I can really remember come up to me and be like, Hey, let's go. Let's, let's drop them like on the ice in a scrum or whatever. It was more just like we tie each other up and, and then no one would say anything. It was, so I just don't understand how some guys find it, or maybe it's reputation guys guys know who who will drop them and and they they go after them a little bit more but yeah it was it was just not something that 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 found me that much but i do have it's interesting one of my biggest regrets in hockey came um with fighting involved and that was we played boston in boston and matt hendricks fought um 
was named uh, Gregory Campbell, I yeah. think. Gregory Campbell. Anyways, um, fought him, beat him up pretty good. And then after that, um, Scott Thornton was coming after him. He wanted to wanted to fight him. And I remember Hendy saying, like, hey, like, Soupy wanted to fight. Like, that's, you know, it, it's on him. It's not on me. He says, no, now you have to fight me. If you're going to fight him, you have to fight me. And and so I could kind of, like, hear what was going on. So we were, we were in our zone for a D-zone face-off. And we win the puck uh, back to the corner. And the, the breakout was I was going to get it. I was going to take a couple strides and I was supposed to rim it up to the to the far red line to Hendy. And so I get the puck, I turn, take two strides, look, and Hendy's not there. He's at he's at the top of the blue line, but he's got Scott Thornton and uh, Adam McQuaid both on either side shaking their gloves at him, wanting to fight. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? Like, it took me a second to, like, I'd never seen this before. Two guys trying to challenge him. And so I kind of let go of the puck. And then your first instinct is like, what's happening? Your second one is, holy smokes, we got to get in there and help them. And and I think I took maybe like four or five strides, was not close enough at all. But then Hendy faked, faked Scott Thornton and uh, went to Adam McQuaid and then ended up having to fight him. And McQuaid's like 6'4". Yeah, he's you know, a, a good good fighter too. And, and it was, you know, I don't really know that I could have done anything differently, but it's like my biggest regret that that I wasn't closer to, to help him and, you know, just think of that feeling as a person. You got two guys that want to beat you up right here. You know what? What are you doing? And uh, and you know, it, so it's just one of those weird things. And it's a regret of mine that I wasn't closer, and that teammates weren't closer, that we could help him out, and felt made him feel like he was, you know, on an island against two absolute monsters. So yeah, it was just a weird. It's a weird thing. Fighting's a weird thing in hockey. It's it's kind of what makes our sport unique, but it's it's still a little bit weird. Yeah, and and Matt Hendricks was never a guy who was scared to or ever unwilling to, to drop the gloves. No, not at all. And and he told me that it was when they were when they were in that little showdown. It was you know uh, Thornton was saying he's like, come on, let's go, we're going. And then McQuaid was there. He's like, hey, I'm here so you can fight me, so you don't have to fight him. You better come and fight me. You do not want to fight Thornton. And he told me that. I'm like, geez, that's such a weird situation. Like, imagine that. Like for most people to. To be in something like that, especially ones who haven't fought much, that would just be just be a strange thing. But yeah, Hendy was he was a tough customer. You just look at that guy's hands and his body; you could tell he's he's taken some punishment and given some punishment. So it's kind of it's kind of neat. I don't know if you remember this game. My favorite Matt Hendricks fight story was he. It was this was in Denver. I guess it must have been 2012, and he fights Cody McLeod. Yeah. And and I remember he. Uh, I, w- I went to talk to Cody McLeod, or, or the Denver guys did, and said, "Yeah, me and uh, and Matt got beers last night together. We're good buddies." <laughs> and, and then I remember somebody from the Caps asking, "Like, who told you that?" I'm like, "Cody McLeod did. Like, it, it's not some problem that these guys had beers. That's it's it's a good thing." And then they the tensions kind of rose during the game, and they fought. It's okay. Yeah, and that's what it is. Like, you don't. It, it's tough. Like, they always we always say before the game too. If you've come from a different team, like if. You know, it, I came back the first time to play Washington, and the guys say, "No friends out there." Like it's just one of those things. Like, you can be friendly before the game and warm up, or or after the game, it's fine. But once you're out there, it's nothing's personal. You can go after a guy and yell at them and call him whatever you want to call him, fight the guy even, try and hit him. But nothing's personal. You you're, you have a job to do, and you're you're trying to do it as best you can. If that means you have to fight your buddy, or or you know, stand up for for one of your own teammates, your current teammates, and and do something, you know, to hit hit one of your one of your friends. It's just the way it is. You know, you you give them a courtesy. Like I can't tell you how many times it happens where you go to hit a guy that you know and you give him a little heads up, like I'm coming, I'm coming, and and you can still finish the check, but you let him know that you're there. 
And so it's just one of those things. But I remember that exact fight. I remember that moment because I, I knew that they were that they were close. That was the same night that, that Nuvi lost the puck in the empty seats. Just like there's a weird one of the weirdest goals I've ever seen go in. It just went up and the seats were like, I guess, maroon or burgundy. And he just lost it. And it was it must have been a 150 foot goal. Yeah, well, I will just say that Nuvi was a character and that would be something that would happen. <laughs> he had a lot of he had a lot of interesting things happen to him. He was he was one of the guys, the personalities that I will never forget. So I'm, I'm happy I got to play with him. I like Michael a lot. I love that this has become a fighting episode of uh, of Golf <laughs> Caps today. Uh, let's look ahead, though, for, for the Capitals. And this is a stretch coming up. The Calgary Flames, Ottawa Senators, Detroit Red, Red Wings, Arizona Coyotes, which these don't look like on paper like these teams are any good. Um, how do you – like you, you, had, you must have had this as a player where you're going into a stretch – you know you're not playing good teams. How how do you as a player kind of mentally not like, get caught into a trap of we're playing cupcake opponents now? Well, it I mean it happens. Like you 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 do get caught. Um, you try you try not to, but you know it, it's really really tough to uh, you know not play down to a team's level. That's what we always would say. Is yeah. Before a game, but don't play down to this team. You know you're better if you guys play your game. You're gonna win. You know you're gonna control the play. Yada yada yada. But even though these teams may not seem like they're, you know, at the level of, of the caps, they still have a ton of good, like that's the thing with this league is there's so many good players that, you know, it really comes down to, to coaching and structure. And then, and then how that player wants to perform that night because, because anyone's going to beat anybody. And I, I think that, you know, it's, it's so hard at the beginning of the year, but you always say like, these are these are the points that in the end they're gonna they're gonna kick you if you didn't get them you know if you you don't beat the teams you're supposed to beat um, and so it really try I mean a lot of it does come down to motivation by by the by the coaching staff or you know if somebody in that room can find a way to get guys fired up like we have these we we have some some you know techniques or whatever I don't know how much people know about about putting money on the board um we can get into that at some point sure. but there's little there yeah there's little the little tactics that guys do to try and get get players fired up um you know maybe for a game that they wouldn't normally be as as uh real ripped on but i mean there's fans in the stands so that's something that should hopefully help i think that cal is that calgary game an afternoon game that's, too, a, that's, so. an, after, that's an afternoon game yes yeah so the, the guys will have family there too to, to to watch the kids will probably be at that one so you know there's there's little things that you just have to pick on to help you help you get get over that hump but um there's just so much to work on right now so i i think that beginning of the season you're you're usually still fired up for all the games yeah and 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 i think you're right and, and kuznetsov even brought this up after the after the colorado game is like you, you stack the points up now because you don't want to be looking back in april and may thinking well man if we didn't if we didn't beat the if we beat the senators in in october we wouldn't be fighting for the eighth playoff spot right now yeah no he's exactly right you, you don't want to take anything for granted right now and auto is kind of one of those teams that you know i, I think they're going to be pretty good honestly they play they hard so many, they, 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 that's, yeah, they, that's a team that plays hard yeah, they do, and they got so many good young guys. Like I could only imagine that dressing room right now is of that many young guys, probably a bunch of them single too, just kind of living the life, playing in the NHL, and you know those are the guys that bring bring the energy to the to the rink. So I could see them being a pretty good team. So it's just not it's just not a time where you can take anyone for granted. Even New Jersey, like the, the Caps had their way with them last year, and so you know they they're you know they're a different team this year. They got some you know I think their blue line is pretty solid right now. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a, a different test than what they're used to. So yeah, it's stack the points now, so you don't have to worry about it later. Koozie's Koozie's right on with that. 
Yeah, do, do you when you play teams like that? Do you get up for hey, I'm going to de- defend a Jack Hughes or 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 did did you or a, a Brady Kachuk or, or or a Matthew Kachuk? Was it is that a way to focus in and say, look, I know I'm playing this team may not be all that good on paper, but I know there's there's guys I I want to defend. Yeah, I would because a lot of times I was matched up against those guys, so I would have right. to think about it just a little bit more and and maybe watch some clips and you know really pay close attention to uh the video and the pre-scouts that we were doing because you can you know you can see how the team's playing but then those guys usually have a few a few things that they like to do specifically like i remember always um uh playing against marty st louis i i knew that he was going to come down wide and he was always going to try the that one the one move where they the player usually come on their off wing and they try and slide you you put your stick out to try and go stick on puck and that player slides the puck underneath your stick and then quickly tries to roof it on the goalie, puts his stick over top of yours and then tries to go top shelf. And I just knew that that was one of the things he always did. I watched the video and so he would come down to try it on me and I always go flat stick or you know push down hard on his, on his stick so he couldn't get any leverage to move the puck. You know, those are little things that when you know you have somebody like that, you, you try and focus on on that and, and and hopefully you can you can nab that so they don't they don't get it but at the same time there's there's lots of guys that can do it now so you you can only focus so much time on on individuals and you got to go after the whole team so yeah it, it, it will happen especially the guys that really care they'll they'll watch tons of video about it yeah you, and, and they'll be better you, you mentioned that like a young team bunch of single guys you came up with a young capitals team how, like what was that fun like I, I know like eventually the expectations kind of built up and, and you're expected to win and all that but were the first few years just fun with like I remember that young guns era with you and Mike Green and, and eventually John Carlson there and like what was that like it was unbelievable it was <laughs> so much fun yeah it was just like every day you walk to the rink and you're just like I can't believe I'm here right now and all the guys are just just having a blast and we were you know we were just running and gunning winning games six five and five four and you know it, you enjoy your time at the rink and then you go enjoy your time at uh, wherever we were going i think we went to capitol grill i think every single night right by the rink and, and just having a blast you know it was it was just like you can't even describe how how much fun it was like you go go out with the guys and and just see what everybody's up to and a lot of the guys were single too so no kids so there was more freedom to to just go out, go to football games, baseball games, basketball, like, you know, watch, watch, watch the other, uh, other sports and around town play. So yeah, it was, it was just great. I mean, we, we talk about those times every now and then and, and just laugh at, at how different it is now and how far everybody's come and responsibility is quite a bit different. So it's, um, it, it was, it was good. I mean, fond memories always look back on that. Even just, especially now, like thinking with Halloween coming up, thinking about the team parties and, and uh, and all the laps you have, like that was one of one of mine and my wife Mandy's favorite things to do is plan parties for guys and make sure that everybody was having a good time away from the rink too. So I can only imagine, you know, now that things are opening up a little bit more, what the guys got planned for for Halloween and their costume ideas. I'd love to love to know what you're gonna wear for uh, Halloween too. I know if you're gonna dress up as a dog as well and <laughs> you're a dog lover and and get out there i know i got my costume set up so i'm pretty fired up about it as I know is your costume a surprise is, is, no is no not at all it's uh i want to be ted lasso i've been growing this mustache and trimming it every day trying to get it perfect so i can be ted lasso from uh from that show it's one of my favorites i've i've ever watched i actually was hoping that i was going to get on some of the NBCSN games in time because anyone who knows the show i wanted to be I wanted to dress up as roy kent and just grunt and growl at 
at every question <laughs> that I was asked, but I don't know if I'm going to get on in time. So that's uh, that's my plan. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to just go out trick or treating with the kids. Yeah, and, and far from like you're not you were never a Roy Kent type. You're 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 definitely more personality wise like Ted Lasso. Yeah, I would be. I would have to get into character to uh, to be Roy Kent, which is why I'm doing Ted Lasso instead because I think I can might be able to pull that off a little bit more. But I got to work on my accent because everything sounds funnier when you have that accent. I just it's like same thing. Like when I was saying Nuvi was was a character because everything he said just sounded so much funnier in his accent. So. I wish that I had something that I could I could pull out every now and then. I wasn't going to mention the mustache. I just figured you were doing it for fashion, but now now that I know why, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a oh, big-time fashion statement as well. I might Actually, my daughter asked me that this morning. She said, as soon as Halloween's done, can you shave that thing? And I'm, I was trying to explain to her about Movember, and I'm like, I might actually have to keep it for another month. And she didn't quite get it, but we'll see. I'm, I'm getting... I'm getting um, urged to get rid of this thing as soon as possible. This is your daily reminder that Movember is, is coming up and you'll be seeing mustaches good and terrible all around the NHL. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's 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 probably my favorite time of year. I love seeing guys uh, guys enjoy that and embrace it. Some good pictures and, and I my favorite thing was the Movember uh, uh, interviews that I got to do with the guys. It was I think that was so much fun. I'd love to, love to have somebody take over that and, and get a couple good ones. I actually remember I interviewed George Paros at a uh, a shaving club uh, in in D.C. at one point when he was still playing, and they were doing like the shave off thing. I still have a, a gift card somewhere that never expires for that place to get a nice shave at some point. Well, start growing it out, then go in there and cash it in. That's Be absolutely fun. right, uh, Carl. That this is another another great episode of All's Caps. Uh, thank you all for for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah.